When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. We are getting closer and closer to the NBA draft. And that means sometimes Albert, we have some unexpected last minute decisions. We were going to cover Rocco Prakachin tonight, but he withdrew last minute, much to the dismay of draft Twitter. So your boys are going to cover Kai Jones tonight. This is going to be a great episode, long anticipated, uh, my name is Corey Tulliver. I am your host here, as always, with my dude, Albert Gim. Albert, how are we doing today? Hey, dude, um, Corey, thanks for holding it down last week with the uh, the solo episode. I listened to it. It was freaking awesome. Um, but, man, it feels good. And, you know, I think tonight, Kai Jones that we're covering, he's a guy that, I, I, honestly, like I was driving over – Long drive, long commute, LA traffic's getting ridiculous. But I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I feel like we're going to have a lot to say because Kai Jones is, he's like suddenly, like his stock is going through the roof right now on draft Twitter at least. And people seem to really love him. And he is kind of becoming the 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 fourth wave darling of a lot of people. And mm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now, Corey, I do not feel the same at all. I'm actually going to be really harsh on Kai Jones today. And I know people are not going to like that, but I'm excited to do that because I'm really convicted about me not being high on him at all. So anyway, it feels like we haven't recorded in a while. I'm excited. I'm ready. And I'm going to try to bring the heat. All right. Well, the last time we <laughs> recorded, um, we recorded, well, we recorded together at least the last time we recorded was Zaire Williams episode, which I think we also were kind of harsh, but I, you know, especially with Zaire, I don't think that we were harsh just to go against the grain or consensus. I think we were just, you know, kind of feeling uh, what we saw on the tape out and, and giving, uh, you know, the podcast listeners, our honest opinion. And we're going to try to do the same with Kai tonight. You know, I, I know that if you've been listening to each episode, uh, every week, you you probably have a pretty good idea that we maybe aren't as high on Kai as all of draft Twitter. But I will say, watching Kai's tape, I I didn't get those same feelings that I got watching Zaire, where I was like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. Oh my gosh, this mm. is a disaster. Uh, mm. So I, hopefully, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit and sing his praises the entire episode, but hopefully I could at least balance uh, you out a little bit. Uh, Let's get into uh, Kai a little bit. He is a big man from the Bahamas. He's a sophomore out of Texas, 20 and a half years old on draft day. 
six eleven and a half, two hundred and twenty pounds with a seven two wingspan were his combine measurements. He averaged eight point eight points per game, four point eight rebounds per game, zero point six assists per game to one point four turnovers. Uh, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks, all in 22 minutes per game. He had shooting splits up 58% from the field, 38% from three, and 69% nice percent from the free throw line. That is a true shooting percentage of 65%. Some preseason rankings. Uh, I found him to not be ranked anywhere in on preseason boards. Uh, I'm assuming that most people thought he maybe wasn't going to come out uh, this year. You know, he, he, it's, he didn't blow the lids off the place uh, as a freshman and he's new to the game. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So he wasn't ranked coming into the year currently though. Leecher report has him at 19. ESPN has him at 14. SB nation has him at 15 and the ringer has him at 18. So that is an average stock price. Of 16.5. Albert, is Kai Jones' stock price too high, too low, or just right? <clears throat> too high. I'm not going to beat around the bush. No long explanation this week. Too high. I'm, I'm banging my table right now. Too high. For me, I have Kai Jones uh, in the 20s, uh, maybe even in the 30s. Um, I 16 is way too high for me. Now, Corey, I, I do want to say, I'm I'm really excited and interested to hear um, you balance me out because I need that because like I I know that when I get into a negative space with a prospect, it's hard to get out of it. Um, but at the same time, like I don't have a like my notes. It's not a long list of me just shitting on him. Like I can promise you that I do have some positives and some things that I saw. And as you mentioned, he's still new to the game, and you could see that you can feel that. But uh, for me right now, 16 is way too high for me. Yeah, it, I mean, it's too high for me, too. I don't feel comfortable taking him until probably the 25 range. Uh, you know, I think that's probably where he'll finish in my board somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. So uh, do I think that there are 30 guys that I would take ahead of him? No, I, I think that he's a first round prospect and, is you know, even in a strong draft. I think he's a guy that if you looked at him in last year's draft, it would have been easier to talk yourself into him being around this range and having that be reasonable, but this is a strong draft. And that's why, you know, for me, 16 and a half feels high because well, we'll get, we'll get into the because, right. All right. So um, let's get into a little scouting report. So Kai's new to the game. He was a track guy, mainly a long jumper. So I want to start with Kai in transition you know, where you see that track background come out. What positive flashes did you see from Kai Jones in the open court? Grab and go. I, I thought the grab and go stuff that he showed occasionally was really interesting. Um, it, it's Look, I like how you just coerced me into starting off by praising him, which was not my intention at all. I really wanted to start. <laughs> I wanted to be hard and start hard on him. But, Corey, I, I have to acknowledge what I what I saw. Uh, some of the grab and go stuff was really interesting. I I don't remember if it was Tyler Metcalf. Somebody also, uh, people are high on it right now on Twitter, right? And so people are putting all kinds of threads and posts about him on Twitter. And look, the grab and go stuff, I saw it too, and it's it's really interesting. I think he, as you mentioned, he's a track star, right? Long jump, whatever. It shows he runs really freaking well. 
He's a very, sorry, very is kind of underselling how great of an athlete he is. He's a freak athlete. He is. And, and I know like Keon Johnson measured out at like what, 45 inches in the vertical, whatever. But no, no, Corey, you and I have talked about it. We we rarely see that in the games. Kai Jones, his athleticism pops consistently in the games. And um, I thought it was really interesting, the grab-and-go possibilities and potential that he showed time to time where he's ripping and running. And it's dangerous. And it's pretty nasty. And he ha- he showed some really, really nice finishes at the rim. Um and I think that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me in terms of his transition. And just, of course, I, I've always talked about how I like watching the gate of runners, especially the big guys. I, I learned that from the podfather, Bill Simmons. That's something that really sticks out to me and something that I enjoy watching. Kai Jones runs like one of the most coordinated big men we've seen in a long time. He runs really freaking well. It's awesome. So I'll start, I'll start there. I think the grab and go stuff was really cool. And yeah, that was definitely the first thing that stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, he's fluid in the open court, right? Runs like a gazelle. It's apparent. There's not much you're going to find to really hate on in transition, right? I think he's going to have some big-time flushes, and you mentioned that he pops. And what's funny about Texas is, like, as much as he popped as an athlete, he maybe didn't pop the most as as an athlete. Like, there were some times with Greg Brown, I was like, what the fuck was that? That was Jer- fucking crazy. Jericho, Jericho Sims, Sims, too. Oh, my yeah, God. That, that, was, that was a crazy, crazy athletic front court. Um, so there was a lot of popping <laughs> going on in these games. Uh, so that's good to see. You like, you know, I love I love noticing a player on the court when I'm scouting them. Uh, so, so that's definitely a positive. Uh, you mentioned the grab and go stuff. I like it when he's deciding to take it coast to coast himself. You know, I don't foresee him being this kind of like transition playmaker you know i he i I think maybe there's a little bit of like playmaking hype for him online a little bit like oh he did this thing this one time and it's like i don't think he flashed the playmaking enough for me to really get excited about it other than it was just like oh that was a cool thing he did like instinctually but uh when you don't see it at high enough volume it's you know, not anything I'm truly paying attention to because, uh, you know, uh, for every, oh, that was a cool thing he did. There was a turnover when he would try to make a play as well. Um, I think he's going to be a really good dunker spot guy. He surveys the baseline uh, pretty well. He's good at slithering in when the big comes to help off penetration. He's got that quick first jump. I liked him as a weak side cutter. You know, again, he sneaks in. It's like he's tiptoeing and, you know, waiting for that little dump off. And I think that these are the areas where he's really going to be able to impact the game right away. Uh, But also, you know, just down the line, I think these are going to be his high high impact areas. And it's going to be where you're going to get efficient offense from him. Because for a guy that is quote unquote raw, you know, he was a fairly efficient um, prospect 65 true shooting percentage, uh, not crazy, 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 but it was, you know, really good. Um, especially for a guy that, you know, maybe some people think has that shooting upside as well, where I'm not as high on him, where I should be as, you know, for a guy with his athletic tools, this, I feel like I wish that I was higher on this aspect of his game. I'm not high on his potential to, to be like a monster lob threat at the next level. And not because he can't 
catch a ball thrown in the air at him. I absolutely think he can. But one of the things that right now he doesn't know how to do is set a screen. Oh, my God. He doesn't Let's know how to set. This. All right. So, and and again, this goes back to the fact that he started playing basketball from, or at least organized basketball in 2017. Yeah. So he has this, like, re, he's way behind everybody as far as fundamentals and, and learning them. However, he did, you know, spend two seasons in division one college. So uh, I don't want to make too many excuses for something as easy as learning how to set a screen, but he does the thing that if you ever watch a high school basketball player set a screen, he does the same thing, right? He does like, after you make contact, he turns the wrong way. Okay. So what he's doing is just fucking the ball handler, um, <laughs> you know, cause he's not, he's not doing anything to make it so that the ball handler actually um, can get away. All he, all he's doing is basically letting that ball handler back into the play. And now the ball handler probably has two on the ball. So when you're setting screen, you want to make contact and seal your man, open up towards your man for the role, almost like you're setting a, uh, like you're boxing out. So you have the position and your man is now on your back on your hip. And now he's got to like reach over and foul or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and it's going to make it easier on everybody. It's going to give a better passing lane. It's going to take one of the players out of the play. He, he doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to yet. I don't know if Texas was hammering this point home, but like, these are the things that the little things that I notice. And it's like, to me, it's, it's a, a lot of the reason why I don't think like his point guards had an easy time running high ball screens with him. Like, I promise you, like, let's just, for instance, say that he landed with Chris Paul next year. I don't know. You know, like, let's just say Chris Paul would fucking murder him. Yeah. He would murder him uh, with with the screens because he, all, all you're doing is, is hurting your point guard. So like, these are the little nuances of where you can go. Oh, well, like that seems like an easy fix. And it's like, it seems like it, but if you've ever tried teaching it to somebody, there's a point where like instinct takes over and your footwork and now you're thinking and it should be easier than it is, but like it, it's, it, it's a big, it's a process. So like, this is the, this is how bare bones some of his skills are that like he can't screen and roll yet. Corey, let, let me just cut in for a little bit because the, the, I'm, I'm so, Okay. I'm amazed right now that you brought this up because this was the first thing I wrote in my notes. I'm going to read for you verbatim what I wrote. Set some of the worst screens I've ever seen in my life. And, and it's not hyperbole. He did. I wrote so awkward, so useless. You mentioned that at, like after the screen, he'd roll the wrong way. A hundred percent. I saw that. I, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. Not only that, he would stand in some of the weirdest places. Like we're talking about even forget about the role part. Let, let's talk before that. His the efficacy of his screens were just not there. He would just he would not know where to go. He would stand like in between like the most awkward places and he's just lost. He's absolutely lost. And Corey, I think that speaks to what you were talking about, right? The game still being new to him. But at the same time, as you also mentioned, he spent two years in college and his screen setting is so lost right now. Like he's going to need a lot of help that, that like that's a serious, serious issue because he's six eleven. But Corey, I, I do want to talk about before you mentioned the, the weak side stuff, right? Cutting off ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that, some of that stuff was really interesting, but I do want to mention 
my biggest thing with Kai Jones, it wasn't consistent enough. I was watching a Baylor. I was watching them play Baylor. I actually counted game time because I had to go back because I like as I was watching the game, I realized this and I had to go back and I wanted to see not real time, but game time, how long it was. He spent over five minutes on the floor doing nothing, doing nothing. So so the moments that you're talking about, Corey, I feel you because after those five minutes, there's one play. He catches the ball in the baseline, just rips it on somebody's head. Right. Unbelievable. So when you look at the highlight package of Kai Jones, those plays are going to pop, right? All the weak side stuff you're talking about, it's there. He does it. He can do it. It's it's there. The problem with Kai Jones is he can also go five game minutes on the floor doing absolutely nothing. And that's what bothered me. Like, you see that consistently in a lot of games. He's just standing at the three-point line. And I'm like, what what's happening here? Now, I do want to say that Texas system wasn't the best. we're talking about the talent there like even Matt Coleman I was watching Matt Coleman because he's a guy in the draft this year he left me very lukewarm I was like oh Matt Coleman you know like you left me kind of okay I I wasn't that impressed Andrew Jones uh, not that impressed right uh Greg Greg Brown all over the place Jericho Sims really raw as well so I'm I'm watching them right and 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 I want to give Kai Jones some credit but there are long stretches of the game where he just went missing and so I, I think that speaks to a larger issue with Kai Jones, where he, once again, he's a highlight tape guy. And I feel like every scout is saying that if you just take a a, a, a video of just his highlights, you'd be like, this is this guy has got to be like a top 10 guy. Right. But if you watch the full games as we have, Corey, he goes missing sometimes. And so I want to acknowledge what you said about the weak side stuff, because he is able, he is capable and he has his moments. My problem with him is that he went missing a lot, a lot. And then on top of that, the screen setting, as you mentioned, rolls the wrong way. He's standing in weird places. They're not very effective. This is a reason why this is just sorry. This is just part of the reason why I still feel like he has a long, long, long way to go. Yeah, good points. And you mentioned that a lot of times he's just standing out on the three point line. And again, the system, the front court, like we talked about it, the, the front court popped a lot. They did a lot of athletic things, but they they didn't complement each other's skill sets by any stretch of the, ima- the imagination. And a lot of times Kai's role was to be a floor spacer, you know, which is kind of weird uh, because well, let's talk about his shooting now. You know, he shot 38% from three. He was on low volume. Give me your Kai Jones shooting take. Um, I Okay. Want to kind of temper uh, my emotions a little bit, but no, I I thought the shooting, like you know, it, let's see his numbers. He shot thirty eight percent this year on one point three attempts, right? Yep, makes sense. It makes sense because it, yep. it's not like he was missing every damn shot. I thought the footwork was a little inconsistent for me. I thought his yep. feet were kind of all over the place. Um, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. I I didn't think his shot was ugly at all. Like there is like okay. We're not going to record on Rocco. I actually had a lot of issues with Rocco's shot, and I was ready to really go in on Rocco's shot tonight. Kai didn't leave me feeling the same. I thought they, I was like, oh, there's some potential here. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, like I could see him. I don't know if he's going to be a 38% three-point shooter ever in his career, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to be a 28% shooter his whole career either. Uh, but the fir- I, I did want to say, Corey, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the footwork. It felt like sometimes his feet were flailing all over the place. It felt like he wasn't getting up balanced at all on a lot of shots. So the biggest thing that bothered me with him was the footwork. Yeah, I agree. The footwork was my thing too. Uh, 38%. 
you said it's on low volume. I'm not buying him as like a high 30s percent shooter. I think he's closer to low 30s than high 30s because, you know, even on some of his makes, like they were not smooth. There was no touch to them, you know? So like, and when he missed a lot of his misses, you were like, Ooh, that was a tough shot. Now up top. Yeah. It, it, not bad, right? It it doesn't look like Jalen Johnson. Uh, I was actually going to say that uh, Rocco gave me a little Jalen Johnson vibes uh, mm. up top with his jumper, but um, it's just it's just not supernatural, and I don't think he feels super comfortable in it yet. Even though there are times that he'll confidently shoot it, even with like a defender in his face, right? And, and you see that like he'll catch and hold. You know, the ball swing, he'll catch, he'll hold, and he'll, like, wait for the defender to, to come back to him, and then, like, he'll he'll let it rip uh, after he already had a clean look at it, and now he's just, like, bringing a defender over, and I just don't think he's comfortable in those, like, quick catch-and-shoot uh, situations yet. And if you're going to tell him to go space the floor and be a guy who's, you know, trying to drag the defender out to the three-point line on the weak side, you would hope that he would be a guy that would be able to get up a little bit more volume and get it up quickly but you know nothing about the texas offense really seemed smooth in that regard and you know i i like that i think he'll be able to be a threat to where you know if you leave him open there are going to be games where he probably hits a couple and hurts you and that's i think all he has to do is be adequate because if he's adequate he could do the thing where he can attack closeouts and in a straight line, I think he can get to the hoop. And he even showed a little bit of footwork um, getting to the hoop with like some nice little Euro steps and and finishing and stuff, which was kind of, you know, fun. It's I don't want him to get the ball on the perimeter and, you know, jab step, you know, dribble, dribble, cross combo move you and, and take a jump shot probably ever in his career. But if you're telling, you know, telling me ball swings and now he's, you know, pump faking, attacking a closeout in a straight line and finishing at the rim, that. I can I can buy into and that I like and then again you know if you're putting him as a floor spacer hopefully you know as he gets more comfortable just being on a court he can do the the little off ball cuts a little bit more often and if he has a guard that can really always find him in that regard you know he can probably be a little bit of a threat there uh do you have any other thoughts on Kai's offense anything that we we didn't touch on that you think you want to touch on I, I think the one thing that I haven't mentioned, though, that I want to give him credit for, and you you, you mentioned it in passing, but um, I never felt like now I, I mentioned that he was awkward and kind of felt out of place at times offensively. But I do want to mention I never got the feeling that he was afraid. And that's something that I did enjoy. Um, and I think I, he deserves credit for, um, you know, there are some guys who will cower. Uh, in, in big moments and, you know, with the ball in their hands and stuff like that. But I thought Kai showed some confidence that I like, and that's good for his future, right? For his progress and for his development. I I, I did want to mention that. Um, I, I, once again, the athleticism really pops time to time. And if he can get into a good program and, you know, one, once again, he's another two years away from being two years away from me is really mm-hmm. how I feel about Kai. Um, I think he's got to get into a great system where they're going to really invest in him 
and not put so much pressure on him to perform right away. If there's some team that's going to take him in the lottery and expect him to be their backup big right away, I just think that's foolish. I mean, we saw Jalen Smith go 10th to the Suns this year. He can't see the floor at all in the playoffs, in the finals right now. And look at the Suns. They're in dire need of a backup center, and Jalen Smith can't sniff the floor. Frank yeah. Kaminsky's not sniffing the floor, right? Kai Jones, if you're going to draft him in the lottery, it better be because you believe he's going to be great in five years. If yep. you're drafting him in the lottery thinking he's going to he's gonna contribute right now, there are too many missing parts and holes in his game for you to even put him on the floor for more than five minutes a night. Like He really is a guy that needs a lot of time in the G League, in my opinion. right? And I, wherever he ends up, he'll probably play in the Summer League. And I guarantee you, Corey, you and I, we're going to watch the Summer League and be like, we told you. We told you. Like even in the summer league, he's going to be extremely raw. And so coming into the season, coming into next season, like the next two, three years, I think he's going to need a lot of time to develop. And a lot of that is offensively because we're about to get into the def- defensive side. I have much nicer, de- nicer things to say about him defensively. It's for <laughs> me, it's, uh, it's on the offensive side. There, there are moments where he goes missing. There are moments when he's lost. There are moments when he's awkward. And all those things take time and development. And so I, I do want to say, once again, he does have some confidence to him. So if you take that time and development plus his confidence and you can really foster that and develop him into you know, who he can be, then yeah, sure, you should believe in him. But he's not a guy who's going to perform or sorry, he's not a guy who's going to contribute for you in year one or maybe not even year two, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect that immediate contribution either. The one thing I will say is that you know, he doesn't have that Keon Tasmanian devil energy where he could be a destroyer. I kind of feel like he doesn't ever get too crazy and he does play within himself most of the time. Like, yeah, there are times where he shoots a three and you're like, I could live without that. But there are very few times that I watched him and I was like, why, why are you, why are you doing this? Greg Brown? I watched and said that a few times, <laughs> but with Kai, I felt like he played way more within himself, way more, uh, way less mistake prone than you know a, a player who's that raw could be. So that that's kind of the last thing I'll personally say. As far as summer league, uh, yeah, summer league I think is going to be fun. Like, look, summer league is about guys for the most part trying to get a roster spot <laughs> next year, and not just in the NBA in in Europe as well. The talent level in summer league is going to be higher than anything that these guys faced in college because it's all of the best college players and then a bunch of pros who have already either played in Europe or are and are trying to make the jump or trying to get another contract and it's you know so the summer league the competition level is is high it's higher than college so you know a lot of these guys it's not going to be weird if they struggle I remember watching uh Derek Rose struggled really really badly you know so even some of these top guys uh could struggle and you know, if, if a player does struggle in summer league, you can't take too much of it. Just like you can't take a ton out of if they absolutely murder it and just drop, right. you know, a ton of 20 a night. You know, either way, because Denzel Valentine did that as well. And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, like. And Kevin Knox. Yeah, it's, right. So you, you get these <laughs> summer league stars. We're still going to cover it and talk about it and overreact to it. Um, I promise you that. But, um, yeah, y- there's not so so much that uh Cor- you can talk about with that. Corey, uh mike michael beasley is coming for kai jones's lunch money so oh yeah yeah that's that's gonna happen <laughs> super cool super cool super cool b is gonna he's gonna put on a show 
All right, let's go uh, to defense. So when you look at Kai Jones on the surface, right, the first impression that I would get if I just watched him in a gym, I watched his pro day, I saw the way he was moving, I saw the way he was running, I saw his dunks. First impression on Kai's archetype, given that he's 6'11", 7'2", wingspan, he should be a monster shot blocker. Mm-hmm. But he had a 4.2 block percentage this year, which is down from his freshman year, which was 6.9%. Nice. Compare that to Isaiah Jackson, who was at 12.7% this year. Evan Mobley, was, Evan Mobley was at 8.8%. Kai Jones had 11 games with no blocks. He only eclipsed two blocks one time the whole season. Why is Kai such a pedestrian shot blocker? And what did you think of Kai off ball? Uh, Corey, I think you and I, sorry, it's this thing where like, I think people think if you jump high and you're tall, then it automatically means you're going to get a lot of blocks. That's just not how it works. And it sounds simple. Like maybe in AAU, that's possible, right? Maybe in the U19s, um, maybe that's where it happens. But for me, you watch Kai Jones, and I think a lot of it is like anticipation. I think a lot of it is like those natural instincts. I think a lot of it is like savvy. Like we 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 went in on Isaiah Jackson, and we talk so much about his anticipation, the way that he reads the game, the way that he can block with both hands. I think Kai Jones, we on the offensive side, we talked about how raw he is, how new he is to the game. I think the game the same goes for him defensively. You know, those instincts as a shot blocker, him reading, you know, guards and knowing how to go up and against bigs too like i think all of that is stuff that he has to either learn or maybe he won't learn i don't know i'm looking at his stats too he only had like what one game of three blocks everything was either two one or zero you know and he's just you know he's not going to come into the league and he's not going to come into the league as some elite shot blocker that that's just not going to be his game now the other part of his defense that we'll get to is really really interesting but i, I think it really is just a, a reading of the game the instincts i think all that is still not fully there yet and that, why we're not seeing those numbers and a lot of times it is that misnomer right oh athletic tall shot blocker not always the case not if you don't have the savvy or the know-how to do that yeah, it's to it to me. It's his instincts. It's and it's his positioning and and the the inexperience he has. Like there are times where his positioning is just really bad on on the weak side of the floor. And again, this goes back to the fact that he's been playing organized basketball since 2017. And like, um, I know that's not when he picked up a basketball, but you know, you see it with any kid that young kid that you coach. Like, you know, learning the game of basketball is really hard. Once it clicks, basketball is super simple. You know, it's not as complicated as we want to make it a lot of times. You know, the SAT breakdown Twitter sometimes overcomplicates what's happening on the court. But it's hard to learn. It is. Um, But once you learn, then it becomes easy. So he's still in, in the part of his development where basketball is hard to learn. And you see that in how inconsistent his positioning is, because it's not to say that he was always in the wrong spot. Sometimes he was in the right spot. And when he was in the right spot, it gave him opportunities to be impactful. Even when he wasn't blocking a shot, it gave him an opportunity to affect a shot or maybe even uh, make a shot not happen. Right. Because, you know, the guard got scared. He didn't want to get blocked or whatever. But. It's going to be like learning the spots on the floor 
is not going to get easier because the NBA game's faster than college and there's more ground to cover and it's you can't just wait in the paint in the NBA. You know what I mean? You have to cover more ground. You can't just park and park yourself in the paint like you would in college. So it, that's that's going to be an adjustment. Do you think that any of the low block numbers, the low block percentage has anything to do with the fact that he was playing with, you know, two other Jefferson. guys, you know, in, in, in the front court that, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, Jericho Sims, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what Jericho Sims looks like on the next level because he's man hit his, that clutch pro day stuff. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. When he hit his head on the rim, like, okay, there's some things in a, in a pro day. I mean, look, it's scripted, right? The agents and the trainers, they script everything, but there's some things that it's just like, okay, that's impressive. And Jericho Sims hitting his head on the rim was unbelievable. But I did want to say, like, I think with, with, with Kai Jones, maybe, maybe Corey, maybe there is some uh, credence to that, but I think it really is like the, the experience thing that we're talking about positioning, right? Um, instincts like think about Marcus all in his prime Marcus all can he jump three inches off the ground like it's so much of Marcus all winning de- defensive player of the year and being known as a really good rim protector really good defender was because he knew where to be he knew how to position himself he had those instincts he read the game really well he's a great communicator on the floor like all of those things go into being a good rim protector it's not just jumping and being long and so I think with Kai Jones, what you're talking about, Corey, once again, goes back to what we said offensively. You put him in a good system, a good program, good coaching, good development. Who knows what he might be? He's still 6'11", 7'2", wingspan, and a freak athlete. Can he become a good rim protector? I would say, yeah. I think there's potential there. But as we're talking about right now, he just, he's got a long way to go to get there. And Maybe the Jericho Sims, the Greg Brown thing, maybe that's part of it too. But I think overall, whether those guys were on the floor with him or not, there's still a lot for him to do and learn. Yeah, and given that inexperience, do you see a guy who has like this tremendous kind of growth plate to learn? Or or is he already too far behind the curve to kind of catch up at, at any meaningful part of his, his first contract? Oh, so, okay. That's an interesting question. So first contract is an interesting one. I think his first contract, it's, he's going to show very little and that, which is why I'm so low on him. Right. Um, we had that talk with Kyle Mann when he's talking about Isaiah Jackson. I think Isaiah Jackson's going to, um, I think he's going to mesh with the league a lot faster than Kai Jones, in my opinion. And I think Isaiah Jackson's the type of guy who even in year one might be able to see some minutes. I cannot foresee Isaiah Jackson being Jalen Smith at all at all with what we talked about, right? Kai Jones, on the other hand, he may never show anything in his first contract. It might take him, take him his second contract to actually blossom and contribute on a team. So that, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think with your question specifically, first contract, in my opinion, no shot. Yeah. By the end, like he could be one of those guys that he, he really starts to show something like last year of his restricted free agency and you're in this position where you're like oh my god what do we do now should we pay him this the money like because like he could show just enough that you're gonna have to like pay him a lot of money or you're gonna lose the asset but not enough that you feel confident in giving out a contract to a center um 
So it's he's going to be an interesting kind of case study. Now, as a perimeter defender, mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the biggest selling points, the biggest areas of intrigue, because he had some impressive possessions on on some wings, right? Mm-hmm. How many positions can Kai Jones guard in the NBA? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, in his final form, I think he can put, he can guard a ton of positions. Corey, as much as I want to hate on the guy, him out on the wing was some of the that was some really impressive stuff. Like he, we mentioned his fluidity as an athlete. Yeah, his fluidity shows when he's running up and down the court, uh, grab and go stuff. When he's jumping up for dunks, his fluidity guarding smaller guys. Was, was pretty shocking. I, I can't lie. I can't. I can't try to put it down just because I don't. I'm not high on the kid. Some of that stuff just. I actually laughed at some of the stuff. I was like, "What? what where did that come from? That's awesome. That's really awesome." Some of the the way he was moving and using his length to keep guys in front of him. I was like, "That's that's freaking brilliant, man. That is so so good for where you are in your development." And which is why he pisses me off as a prospect. Because he's so disgustingly raw in these areas. And then you watch him guard like a 6'3 guard and you're like, where the hell did that come from? Where, where is that coming from out of your body? It makes no sense to me, but it's there. And I have to acknowledge it. And it made me laugh because it was pretty damn good at times. And I think that's the highest praise I can give Kai Jones. I want to hate the hell out of him as a prospect, but he wouldn't let me. Because some of the stuff he did defensively with his feet, I was like, that's, that's some really special stuff. Yeah, he had some nice moments in the clutch, too. You know, he had huge strip, 10 seconds left against West Virginia. Big strip against Cade, uh, two minutes left. Cade did get him as well, though. And uh, I think in the moment that Cade got Kai, it was telling for a couple of reasons. One, Cade is stronger than people realize. We're going to cover Cade, I promise, um, as we get closer to the draft. (laughs) But what are we doing? <laughs> you got to you got to save the good stuff for uh for for last. But K, like there was a possession where Cade just drove right into the chest and went through Kai and got a layup, right? And Kai needs to muscle up because right now I think he's going to get bullied as a 4 or a 5, right? But there's something in being this multi-positional defender in in a switching scheme that is really interesting for Kai because he has really quick hands at somebody his size. Now, he doesn't have that crazy Evan Mobley wingspan, right? 7'2", excellent wingspan, but not, like, unheard of, not, you know, Mo Bamba, not even Scotty Barnes. And he's a good lateral mover. Now, I'm going to say he's a good lateral mover for a near 7-footer. Um, Because I have some concerns at the next level he's got knock knees so his his knees go inward okay which it kind of makes him look like he's gonna snap at times yeah his stance is a little narrow and he's a little hunched over and sometimes he did have trouble like on smaller guards which even though he had possessions where he just that was his responsibility to just check up a smaller guard. Like, okay, maybe you get away with that against, you know, Matt Coleman, but like you have to do that against De'Aaron Fox. And like, I'm not letting, I don't want Kai to do that in a switch. Like 
is he going to kill you in that situation on a couple of possessions a game? Probably not down the line, but like, I don't want him. I don't want people to have this impression that he's going to be this guy who can like be this big wing and like put him in the last couple of minutes of a game on this, these perimeter scoring threats. Like, I don't think he he's that kind of mover. I think he's a really good mover for a seven footer, but again, going back to Isaiah Jackson, like I like Isaiah Jackson guarding the perimeter more than I liked Kai guarding the perimeter. And even though Kai had some really impressive moments and it's definitely a strength, it's definitely something that intrigues me about him because, you know, we've seen like, you don't want a big on the floor in the last few minutes of a playoff game that is going to be schemed against. Right. And, and Kai, I think given the right kind of development plan, you could see a world in which he can't be, you know, played off the floor if everything goes right for him. But um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think that his body, there are some things there that could be issues. Like again, the, the, the inward knees scare me a little bit. Um, but also the fact that his body is, you know, he's skinny right now. Mm-hmm. You're the podcast, you're the podcast body guy. What do you think mm-hmm. about Kai's body? <clears throat> so I, I was actually going to wait to address his body because I have a, 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 you know, Corey, I think my thing is like, I'm just comping guys to older guys and I've got another guy from the nineties that I'm comping him to, but um, I'm with you. He is skinny and like, I, I don't love his frame. I'm trying to refrain from hating on him completely, but uh, I don't think his frame is a frame that can't add weight at all. Um, he can't at the same time. Do I think he's going to bulk up like AD? I can't see that either. I think he can add a little bit of mass, um, but I'm with you. The knees, I see the, the, the knock knees is a sensitive issue. My wife has those knees. So, <laughs> so I feel I bad talking about those knees. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Because you know, it's like you get some people who are like kind of pigeon toed. So their legs kind of are yeah. inverted, whatever. But yeah, no, I see all that. It's just for me, like, once again, with Kai, like those high moments were really high. And I was like, damn, like this is something that I, I hope he continues to develop in and he continues to grow in because there's something there. And so once again, I, I wouldn't want him out there guarding a wing or, or a point guard for the whole game. But in spurts, he showed that like, hey, I think he's going to be able to do that on the next level as he continues to, ve- to develop. And I just want to go back to this again and just reemphasize Every part of Kai's game that we're talking about, he needs three years. And this is just another part of that. I think the flashes, like all the flashes that Kai has, the flashes that impressed me the most were him defending on the wings. So even that, it's going to take some time, but I was really impressed with those high moments. Yeah, I agree. Um, His high moments were great. He's weak. You can box him out. You can seal him. You can go through him. So he's got, you know, work to do. Hopefully he gets into a good, you know, strength program. If you notice, we haven't really talked about his rebounding. Mm. And it feels important for a big man. Really, the only time we touched on it was the grab and go. You know? I don't know. I'm iffy on his rebounding. I mean, his per 40, you know, his per 40, he was like eight and a half. Um, Again, comping that to Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson was at like 13. Uh, You know, I don't know. his strength, I think, is, you know, it's a, a rebounding issue, too. And again, going back to, like, positioning and all of that stuff that you, you just, like, the fundamentals of how the ball is going to come off the rim. Right. I don't know. It seems I want him to rebound more. Now, you could say, well, you just talked about him guarding out on the perimeter. Like, so maybe he was away from the hoop. 
I don't know. I still at the college level, I want to see a physical guy like him at least have like slight. I want to see at least in the per 40 at year, at least at 10. And then you can go, all right, well, he was on the court with Jericho Sims and Greg Brandt. Like so I, I get it, but the rebounding stuff and who, and Hey, in, in the NBA, it's in vogue to let the guards get the rebounds now. Right. Maybe it doesn't matter, but that also entails you being a guy who consistently box out, you know, boxes mm-hmm. out. So I don't know. I, I is is am I overthinking this with the rebounding? No, Corey. So I, I was waiting to talk about his rebounding because his rebounding goes back to one of my earliest points that I made tonight. He goes missing at times. And I don't just mean offensively. It's both sides of the floor. I mentioned he went five minutes without doing anything on the court. And for me, that goes both ways. Offensively, he's standing out on the perimeter. Defensively, as you mentioned, he's not boxing out. And sometimes it's because he can't. Who's that guy on Baylor? His last name starts with a V. I forgot his name. He's like uh, a Vital. Vital, whatever. That dude is a thick dude. He was vital, vital. He was boxing the hell out of Kai Jones. And I was like, this is a problem. This is an absolute problem because he's a either, big man. He's no, a yeah. Big boy. So either that guy was boxing the hell out of Kai Jones or Kai Jones was just not there, which, which is my problem with him. You know, I think he isn't always present and always working the hardest. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not always engaged. I think he is engaged, but also kind of engaged. like, yeah, it, he is. I don't want to say he's not engaged, but it's like you can be engaged, but also be invisible. Like that, that's a thing, you know, like I, Tobias Harris is like notoriously one of those guys, right? Um, uh, it just that's how I feel about him, and I think that's why the rebounding numbers are as low as they are because he's not always willing to mix it up. On the other hand, we were about to talk about Rocco tonight. I like how he mixed it up. I liked Rocco as a rebounder. I liked how he went in there and he was boxing people out. Yeah, and because he he's motherfucker, strong upper body, right? Kai doesn't have that, but also I didn't feel like Kai was very present either rebounding. I want to talk about. Uh, Roko's upper body because I had a note on it. Mm-hmm. This is for all the listeners who um, have watched Arrested Development. Roko uh, Prakachin's chest mm. on the basketball court makes him look like George Michael in the muscle suit from Arrested Development. And this joke is only funny to those who have seen Arrested Development. If you haven't seen Arrested Development, grow up and watch it because it's like (laughs) one of the best comedies ever. Um, But I had to get that out onto the airwaves, even though, uh, you know, Rocco's going to be in next year's draft, hopefully. Yeah, that's I'm a little off track now, but uh, yeah, watch Arrested (laughs) Development. Uh, I'm I'm now, one of those that needs to grow up, man. I'm I'm looking. Grow I'm up. literally googling it right now. It is the best. All right, that's enough about uh, Arrested Development. It, it's Michael Sarah. He's in a muscle suit. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. What position do you think Kai Jones is on the at the NBA level? I, backup center. That's kind of how I feel right now. Backup center. Um, I think. Oh God, I, I just. I see him as a backup center, Corey, which is why I see him at 25 and and and, and after. As you mentioned, this is a really hard, this is a really strong draft. Um, I, I saw someone on Twitter go like, "Why do people have Rocco Percussion in the second round?" And I was like, "It's a freaking great draft. It's a really strong draft. There are a lot of good players." And so for there me, are. with with Kai Jones, I see him 25 plus, 30s, 35, like. I would have no problem with the team taking him in the mid-second round. Like, yeah, it's not too late. 
take Kai Jones. I see him as a backup center. If he develops and becomes someone awesome, then yeah, maybe he could be like a starting caliber four, starting caliber five. I don't know. But for me, I kind of see him as a backup center. Like I think he can have a 14-year career being a backup center, energy guy, Kenneth Fareed, Chris Anderson, Kenyon Martin. I don't. Well, sorry, Kenyon Martin had a very strong career. Uh, I, I don't want to say Kenyon Martin. Uh, but you, you know what I mean. Like I see him as a backup center. That's how I'm kind of projecting him and people might hate me for it, but that's what I feel. I think backup center. Let me ask you this because again, I'm not like over the moon for Kai as a prospect. I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable with my job security, taking him in the lottery. If I was a general manager, couldn't he be Mm -hmm. a six foot 11 inch version of Terrence Mann? God. And kind of win you a playoff series, or at least a couple of games in a playoff series. Could he swing a playoff series? Couldn't he do that? I, I'm trying to think of the playoffs right now, and I'm trying to fit Kai somewhere. I don't really see it, Corey. Like it, it's my answer to you is no. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. I, I can't. Like I'm really trying to think. Like. Who no, like I can't even see him as Brooke Lopez for the for the Bucks right now. Like I, I just don't know, man. For me, the answer is no. Yeah, I can't see it. All right. I can't. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna the the then that means that the time has come. Oh boy. And I'm gonna need you to sell me this pen on Kai Jones. <sighs> for the first time ever, I, I I was hoping, can you sell me this pen? <laughs> okay, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Uh, dude, I, I think I'm not going to sell this pen, but here we All go. Right, uh, go for it. I mean, either go shit or get off the pot here. Oh, let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Let's, let's shit. Um, are you a team that is looking forward or uh, looking to develop a young big who is still very new to the game, who's still learning the game that is very uh, moldable? coachable a guy who works hard a guy who is engaged on both sides the sides of the floor are you looking to hopefully uh turn would you be interested in a name like a jermaine o'neal if you're interested in a player like that who needs a couple years to develop to become a really strong all-star caliber center then you should potentially look at kai jones in the second round uh other than that you shouldn't really look at kai jones is me selling you this pen kai jones (laughs) You know, you had you had me looking to buy up until that last line. Mm-hmm. I was I was mm-hmm. gonna be I was gonna you know be a general manager who at at like twelve eleven mm. who was gonna be like oh this guy signed this is a guy sign me up for that um, mm-hmm. till the second round stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you had to move your entire investment portfolio onto either Kai Jones or Keon Johnson, where are you moving your money? I hate you. Corey, you're Corey. This is this is hurtful stuff you're doing to me right here. I thought we were on the same team. This hurts. <laughs> um, I, God damn, those are those are the two prospects that I'm pro- probably having the hardest time of right now. Kai Jones, Kai Jones, Keon Johnson. I'm gonna go Keon Johnson. Um, I think I had nicer things to say about Keon when we did the Keon Johnson pod. I still like some of the mid range stuff. I still like the athleticism. I, I can't believe he's 6'4". That one really hurts my feelings a lot. I did not <laughs> think he was going to be 6'4". That one hurts. But, um, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I, I just can't agree with people on Twitter. 
I can't, man. I don't see what you guys see with Kai Jones. I can't get that high. I'd rather bet everything on on Keon than bet everything on Kai, just because Keon. I think Keon's got a little bit more dog to him, like a little nastiness. Like we we mentioned the Tasmanian energy, like that Tasmanian energy, the Tasmanian Devil Space Jam energy. Yeah, he's pissed. The Tasmanian Devil's always pissed, and I feel like Keon's got a little bit bit of that to him. So I'll, I'll go Keon, as much as it hurts me to say. No, I would take Keon too. Uh, I think that you know they're they're both gambles. The higher you take them, but I feel like Keon's just a little bit safer. In I at least know that like he's gonna always try to make you feel him on the court. Yeah. Kai might get there one day and make you regret it, but uh, I'd rather make that bet on Keon Johnson, who, you know, uh, he feels like a guy who's consistently dropping down boards. Kai feels like a guy who's consistently rising on boards. And to me, they're very similar. Obviously not in play style, obviously not in position, but in, you know, type of player you're trying to have an upside swing on. But, you know, I, I thought I thought it was an interesting little little predicament to put you in all right if you're buying stock in kai jones who may you have bought stock in previously oh god this was tough this was a tough one man it's really tough man this is really freaking tough uh, i'm gonna try my best um there are a couple guys that come to mind and these are throwbacks i have two throwbacks because i mentioned one already in jermaine o'neill i i so, so let me kind of pump the brakes and explain why I'm mentioning Jermaine O'Neal's name because Jermaine O'Neal is a guy who made multiple all-star teams and was a really good player on the Pacers. And he was also good on the, on the Blazers before he left too at the end. Jermaine O'Neal is a guy went to the Blazers, spent years developing, literally spent like three, four seasons developing behind Rasheed Wallace, Arvita Sabonis, all those bigs. Eventually Jermaine O'Neal, after coming out of there, became a really really good player so that could be a potential like uh, like a prototype of what he might become i i think kai jones is already way more explosive way more athletic than jermaine o'neal jermaine o'neal had a nice mid-range game even in his rookie season he was able to hit the mid-range game so i i obviously i'm not making comparisons in terms of player i'm more potential trajectory right yeah after that, a guy that I'm going to mention is a kind of weird one that honestly, some of our listeners may not even know who he is. Uh, Jonathan Bender. Jonathan Bender, if you remember him, uh, another guy who was a guy who came out of high school, drafted by the Pacers, and in high school was a really good athlete. A guy that teams were really, really high on. He was a really athletic big who felt like he had all the skills and the talent to become one of the next great four or fives in the league. And um, injuries literally robbed his career. I know. It was so sad, man. It was so freaking sad. Like, I remember, like, uh, anyway, um, Jonathan Jonathan Bender was a guy that had a lot of potential, who could shoot the three, guy who could really shoot the three. Like, his jump shot was so pretty. It was, like, awesome. But anyway, um, Jonathan Bender was another guy who came to mind with Kai. If he can put it all together, maybe he could be what Jonathan Bender wanted to be. I don't know. But... Ultimately, my thing with Kai is like, I, I, hey, I mentioned two pretty strong names. I, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think he gets to either one of those guys um, in terms of like with, with Bender, more of like his potential. But yeah, uh, his floor, I don't even know, dude. Some backup center in the league right now is kind of how I feel right now. And so, yeah, I'm not very high on him, obviously. Man, I, yeah, I had a, I had a tough time <laughs> with this. I honestly, like, I couldn't, I, I don't even have a name that I, I enjoy, like, 
that I, I feel comfortable saying. Cause I, he, I guess I will say is that he's interesting in that he's a hard comp, which maybe means like how many guys like him have we seen before? But like, he just doesn't have any of the, any skill that's so strong that blows me away so much that I feel right. comfortable. Like I tried talking myself into like, Oh, maybe he could high end be like what you want Marvin Bagley to be, you know, kind of yeah. like that dump off drop off guy. Who's just going to get those close, you know, little baskets at the hoop, but then also can step out and hit a three and except maybe he could defend, but like Bagley is, he's going to get you 15 and his sleep in the NBA. You give him enough shots. And like, I don't know if Kai has that, that part of his game that'll ever be comfortable enough and like it badly worked out if he was everything he was, you know, hyped up right. to be, he would have been a, a guy who was probably scoring 27 a night and, you know, a high end rebounder. So it, it's tough. It's a, he, he, Kai is a, he's a hard one. I don't want to hear any more of the Giannis stuff. Oh with, no. With Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've heard that a couple of times. So I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. That's gross. As as unique Shame as Kai might, you know, as Kai might you as unique as Kai might look on the surface, Giannis is a whole another stratosphere of unique. Um, mm-hmm. No, and, I mean, and Corey, honestly, for me, like I mentioned, Jermaine O'Neal and Jonathan Bender, I feel like I just threw them out there because I wanted to talk about them. I, 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 <laughs> there really is, there really is no comparison with Kai because Kai's not that good. Jonathan Bender was an unbelievable scorer in high school, so I, I just wanted to kind of throw that back in there and make sure our listeners know I'm not exactly comparing him to them. It's just, yeah, I, just, I have no one else <laughs> yeah. to throw out there. Yeah. I, I think the, the Jermaine O'Neal point is more so that like he sat behind veterans for a few years in Portland before he got his opportunity. I feel like right. that was more than the actual play style. Um, Cause Jermaine O'Neal was very polished by the time he, mm-hmm. you know, had gotten minutes. Uh, this is a question that for the first time in a while, I how volatile is Kai Jones? I mean, super, right? Number number <laughs> the one. Highest, number the highest. One. He's got <laughs> the elite. high uh, elite volatility for, for Kai. I mean, look, I, I'm i doing mocks with people. I'm seeing, you know, you're doing mocks with people. You're seeing it. People love Kai. People want Kai to go in the lottery. We, we mentioned, like, ESPN's got him in, at 14 as a lottery kid. They're right, that, I mean, SB Nation fifteen, Ringer eighteen, Bleacher Report nineteen. I mean, you know, the the more you start getting to the twenties, you can at least talk yourself into the gamble. But lottery level, you miss on him, you're throwing away a lottery pick. I, you know, I, all anybody ever wants in trades, how many picks can I get? How many picks can I get? And then you get a pick, and you're just you could potentially throw it away. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if you're a team like. Oklahoma City, and who knows what the fuck their plan is going to be going forward because SGA is so fucking good, and how how long is he going to want to just, like, not compete, right? Right. They drafted Poku. Do you really want to take another project, like, to, to put in the front court with Poku and just, like, hope, I guess, one of them works out? I Probably not, but... If you're a team like that and you want to say, oh, maybe we can take a gamble because we have two picks. If you're Houston, maybe if you're Houston, you take them. If you know if they don't end up taking Evan Mobley, um, because they got those two picks in the in the twenties. But it, 
to me, if you have one pick, it's a hard sell for me on on taking Corey. him because this is the draft is so deep. I know Corey. I didn't I didn't want to mention the Knicks. I didn't want to no, mention no, no, them. not even <laughs> okay. the Knicks. The high comedy of this would be the Orlando Magic. They're on draft Twitter <laughs> and they're seeing these mentions and they go, Oh, should we, you know, grab Kai Jones at number eight? That would be unbelievable comedy, dude. I had somebody in my mentions literally an hour before we Uh started recording that was like talking to another person who tagged me who has who wants the magic to take Kai at five. And they were like, well, they're like, well, he'll probably be there at eight. It's like, no, no, he'll be if he's not there at eight, then somebody was high i mean all right i look jesus christ i don't even have to ask this mm -hmm. i don't have to ask the buying or selling i know Mm -hmm. i know you're selling your kai Uh stock um is there any any last thing you want to say on kai jones i I mean look i i think if i'm wrong i'm wrong i've been wrong before i've never been shy about being wrong i mean Corey, you know me like i'm i'm not chad ford i'm not but even chad ford i think it was cool that he was doing that thing recently where he's going over his biggest misses and his biggest mistakes obviously he started off with darko and he deserves to and i think it was smart that he did that but i I, i've been wrong before i've been dead wrong about a lot of prospects before i've been dead wrong about guys that i've been really really high on but at the same time like no matter how much I think about my past mistakes or I think about everything that I've seen from Kai Jones, I, I can't. I can't go in on Kai Jones. If I was an NBA exec, I wouldn't touch him until the second round easily. And, and I, I would do that confidently too. Like I wouldn't be ashamed to be like I have a second round second round, or even an undrafted free agent grade on Kai Jones because he terrifies me. He's the exact type of guy where you see the tantalizing moments and you're like, let's go all in. And he becomes absolutely nothing absolutely nothing you know so i don't know i, I what was the guy who uh, went 10th to the bucks a couple years ago um something alexander was it joe alexander was that his name remember that oh, guy years years ago yeah years ago sorry i yeah. I, I live in the 90s Corey. <laughs> you and i i think we live in the 90s yeah. but i remember remember joe alexander you know coming where did he come up from west virginia right yeah. he was the talk of the town and people were like he's so bounce. athletic the bounce he can, exactly right they were like oh there's nothing he can't do on the court Right, that guy from the Wizards, that that European guy. What was his name again? I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jan Vesely. Jan, remember? Yeah, yeah career all in these Europe later on. Mm, well, yeah, but never here, you know. And so my thing with Kai is like, yeah, those tantalizing moments. Those like once he gets drafted on ESPN and they they run those those clips, right? You're gonna see a lot of awesome moments, and people are gonna be like, hell yeah, let's go all in on Kai Jones. I can't ever do it. I can't. I, yeah. I would never do it. I wouldn't. Kai's the Kai's the car that you bought at sticker price, and as soon as you drove it off the lot, it might not be worth as much as you paid for it. Mm-hmm. So, but with that said, you know, to me, look, I would feel more comfortable being a team at the top of the second round, taking a chance on him there. Again, I, I'm probably going to have him in the 25 to 30 range on my board when I finally release it. So, you know, uh, do I? I think that he's one of the 30 guys that you should probably take. But there's a, a lot of good players in this draft. There are. Yeah. So it's it's hard. Albert, where can the uh, the people find you <laughs> on the World Wide Web? On the WWWs? Uh, you, you guys can find me on my burner account, just uh, throwing out negative energy about Kai Jones all over Twitter. Uh, but on my main account, it's uh, Alberto, T-O-E. Gim is where you find me on Instagram and on Twitter. 
And um, yeah, man, go Kai Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at the Hardwood Mag on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, hit up the YouTube channel for all of the NBA draft video content. That is the Hardwood Herald. Uh, still a couple of copies of the magazine. Find the link on my Twitter. And everybody, if you could hook us up with a, a little uh, rating review and subscribe to the pod. Albert, we got we got a couple of haters. A couple of haters oh, left us nice. a, a one star review on uh, on the pod. So awesome. Um, yeah, so you know they're out on us like we're out on Kai. Um, but you know, look if we're if we're if we're on like the top of your board, you know, yeah. on, in on the podcast um, mock drafts, like you know, throw us a throw us a, a rating and a, a review. Hey. You know what I mean? That would be dope. Corey, you know, you know, you haven't made it until you have haters. So yeah. maybe this means something. You know, <laughs> if it, I'm gonna tell you what Banks told me, if they hate and let them hate and watch the money pile up. Let's go. There's, Let's go. <laughs> um all right guys uh we will be back uh later in this week for uh with another prospect and draft draft content's gonna be cooking up next week as as we inch closer and closer to the draft we still gotta cover Jalen Suggs we still gotta cover Cade Cunningham so uh you know we're gonna have some good episodes ahead for you plus maybe some other surprises we're gonna be in Brooklyn at the draft, so let's uh, go. We're hopefully, come find us. Stuff. Yeah, say what up when you see us, and uh, yeah, that's it for the episode, y'all. We out. Peace. Peace.